0: Uh, but we're diving into John chapter 12 and uh, f- as followers of Jesus, this is a, a celebration week for all of us. This is called uh, the Passion Week or uh, today's Palm Sunday and, and what does that mean? But this is um, as we look back and we celebrate this reality that Jesus came. And that he lived and he died on the cross, but he rose again on the third day and this Sunday coming up Easter Sunday, we celebrate the reality that we serve a God who is alive, He is not dead. Amen And so this morning we're, we're jumping right into to John chapter 12 and and what the the, the portion of scripture we're looking at. This is really um, the Sunday before Jesus would go to the cross. On Friday, he would go to the cross, but Sunday he's coming in at what we call the triumphant entry. He's entering Jerusalem, the place where he would lay his life down for us. And so here's where we're at in John chapter 12. It says, the next day, verse 12, the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And so they took branches of palm trees, and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. We're going to focus on that verse this morning. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. And the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. And here's our closing verse. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him, gone after Jesus. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much that we get the privilege to gather together as your people. And we get to celebrate the reality that you made a way for us to have relationship with you, Jesus. The reality that you are alive And God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning that these words would not just be words we hear, but words that transform our lives and are lived out. Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know you, we we cry out this morning that Jesus, you would reveal yourself and draw people to you. And God, those of us that maybe have known you for a while, would you show us a fresh glimpse of who you are and the wonder of who you are. God, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. I, I, wanna, I wanna paint a picture for you this morning and, and take you for, for a, a little moment to a town called Bethany. It, it's a, a little village, a little town outside of Jerusalem and, and we come into a home in, in this little town. We come into a home where Jesus is surrounded by his disciples and is di- surrounded by some people who have just observed him do something absolutely miraculous. They've just seen Jesus raise one of his closest friends by the name of Lazarus. They've, they've observed Jesus raise him from the dead after having been dead for four days. And so Jesus comes and he makes this declaration before he raises Lazarus from the dead. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then Lazarus, his friend, he's in the tomb four days and everybody is like, Jesus, even like, it's, it's done, it's over, he's gone but Jesus comes to the tomb and he cries out. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus' his friend walks out of the tomb alive, wrapped in grave clothing and he's unwrapped. And now we find ourselves in this home in Bethany. The night before what we just read, a Saturday night, and we find Jesus in this home in Bethany and, and, we, and we see a woman who brings this jar, this alabaster box with expensive perfume, and, and she does this crazy thing. she breaks it over Jesus. And, and the value of this, this ointment this this oil was worth over a year's wages. A conservative, low-end estimate estimate is it was over 30,000 dollars. and in a moment, she just pours out worship on Jesus. Jesus would say that she was actually preparing him for burial. And so the king of kings, like Jesus is in this home and he's being worshiped. And, and then the next day we find Jesus making a decision to leave Bethany and to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And we could read this portion and we could miss the significance of this because Jesus was not just going from one town to the other. It wasn't just another ordinary day, but he knew this would be the final ride into Jerusalem. For 33 years, he's been taking this trek into Jerusalem, but he knew that he was going, he was a wanted man, that he was hated and that there was plans being made for him to die. He knew that his whole ministry was for this moment, that the Father had prepared him to lay his life down for the world in this moment. And we find Jeru- Jesus making a journey into a city called Jerusalem. And in this city we hear that people were coming into this city to celebrate something called Passover week. And you see, for the Jews, Passover it, it represented something very, very significant and important because thousands of years earlier, God had delivered his people from the oppression and slavery in Egypt. And he brought them out miraculously with a strong hand out of Egypt. And in remembrance of Passover, and they, were to, they were to kill a lamb. And they were to take a perfect, a perfect spotless lamb and sacrifice that lamb. And its blood would signify that they were atoned from their sin. And a Jewish historian said 30 years after this moment that on Passover week, 30 years later, there were an the estimate of 2.7 million people in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And Jesus is walking into Jerusalem with thousands and thousands of people and the crowds have heard about what he did in raising Lazarus from the dead and the crowds wondered, would Jesus brave? Would he come into Jerusalem? And as he walks in, as many people are coming in to come and bring these lambs to sacrifice, to celebrate Yahweh delivering their people from Egypt in hopes that one day they would be delivered once and for all. Little did they know That the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth was walking into Jerusalem to face a cross, to be killed, to be beaten, and to take the sin and shame of the entire universe. And so as he comes in, we see them beginning to cry out this word, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, meaning save us now. And these people, when they would enter Jerusalem for hundreds of years, they would sing these songs called Songs of Ascent. And it was basically pilgrims coming back to Jerusalem. And they were singing a song that we find in Psalms 118. And as they would come in three times a year for three different feasts, they would sing these songs. And this song, they would cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If you go on to later on, in in the name of the Lord, we bless you from the house, Lord. And they would cry out, Hosanna. But the crowds sang this song different this time. Because as they came into Jerusalem, they were not just singing a song, Hosanna, in hopes that one day they'd be rescued, but their attention was turned to Jesus. And they began to sing, Hosanna, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us now. And they began to cry out that he was the king. And they took palm branches and began to wave it. And they would only do this, this was, a, this was significant, especially to the, the Jewish people, that it was signifying you would bring out the palm branches for royalty, for the one in whom you saw that they were the king. And they began to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem, not just as a prophet, not just as a teacher, not just as a man, but they began to look and say, he's the king. And they began to cry out, oh, save us now, Hosanna waving palm branches and Jesus, the king of the universe, would ride in on a donkey. And they looked and they thought, here's the king and he's gonna rescue us. They thought Jesus would rescue them uh, from their political oppression and rescue them from poverty and rescue them from, and, and, and bring back, restore Jerusalem to what it once was. They had aspirations. They thought the king's gonna save us the way we want the king to save us. How many of you have ever looked at God, looked at Jesus, and you thought you had a better idea of how he should rescue you? You know what I mean? Like, you ever, like, suggest to God, you're like, God, I know you're God and all, and you're really good at that, but, but, but I just want to, like, help you be God, you know? And we say it in like fancier religious words, but we're like, could you like, The one time, one of our junior high small groups, one of the kids began to pray and they started praying, God, just, just make it rain money. You know, you ever thought like, why doesn't God just rain down money? Like God, that's a great idea. Like, you know, instead of like, it's raining man, it's raining money, hallelujah, you know? You ever, we ever, we ever, we ever, you come to God and I think we so often, we, we want the king to save us how we think he should save us. And, and that's what was going on here. They thought the king would save how they thought he should. But Jesus, our king, would save so differently. And he would come in knowing that this trip in was not what they expected. You see, our king, he he would save courageously. Hosanna, save us now. But King Jesus rode in, and you have to understand, he was not mistaken what this journey meant. Jesus knew the entire journey in as he came in. This is my death march. This is me handing myself to my enemies. This is me about to face the full wrath of God. That's courage. That is courage that Jesus was not tricked in. The picture of Jesus coming into Jerusalem was not him slinking and hiding. Oh, man, they caught me. You know, you ever played hide and seek with a little kid? And they're like, you can't find me. I see you. (laughs) Jesus, our king, would save with courage. Even when others tried to keep him from facing and going to Jerusalem, It was with courage he knew, I'm going to the cross and I'm saving my people, all of mankind. He is a courageous king. He is a courageous king. If you're here and you say, who is this Jesus? He is a courageous king. It's easy to lead from the, the background. It's easy to... Make other people be courageous. But Jesus came and he was the one who took our sin and our shame. With courage, he bore that cross. With courage, he endured the wrath of the Father for us. Courageously. And our king would come and he would save in humility You see, most kings and royalty as they would enter in and they would receive the pomp and circumstance and Jesus received the glory of the king. In John six, he wouldn't let them acknowledge him as king but in John 12 as he enters in, he receives the glory of the king because he is king and he is worthy of our praise and he is worthy of our adoration. But he would show something very different because in this time, When kings would come in and royalty and victors would come into the city, they would ride in sometimes in chariots with four of the greatest stallions, the greatest horses carrying them in with pomp and circumstance. And and some would even come on elephants. That'd be cool, you know, like, bring in the elephants. (laughs) But Jesus came on a donkey. How uncool is that, right? Like, Jesus came on a donkey. He's the king of the universe, the creator of the heavens and earth, and and we couldn't get anything better. Like, he actually intentionally sent his disciples to go find that donkey. Like, this was planned. This was not like the disciples missed it, you know? Like, he wasn't like, you brought me a donkey? No, this was actually a fulfillment of prophecy in, in Zechariah 9.9. That Jesus, he, it's prophesied of him like rejoice. So he goes on It says, behold, your king is coming to you. Oh, the king's coming. He's coming righteous and he has salvation. Yeah. And, and he, he is humble. And he's mounted on a donkey, on a colt. Jesus would come in on a humble donkey. He would show that, his victory and his kingdom would be built so different than the world around us. So different. In humility, he would rescue his people. Just moments and days before Jesus would go to that cross, he would take the position of a servant and he would kneel before his disciples and he would wash their feet you're the king, Jesus. We saw everybody crying out to you. You're the king. Shouldn't we wash your feet? But our king saves in humility. He didn't even get his own grave. He was in a borrowed tomb. Humble. Our king would save in humility. And our king would save in sacrifice. He wouldn't be like, other kings that stood in their chariots afar off and watched as their people fought the battle and lost their lives and cheered them on. He would walk himself to the front of the battle line and say, take me, not them. Like what is love? The world around us is crying out, what is love? What what does love look like? It looks like Jesus hanging on a tree, naked, beaten, forsaken, betrayed. It's sacrifice. This was how our king would save the universe. It was in perfect love. Love that says, I won't leave you in your sin and shame. I will pay for a way out. I will leave you in bondage and brokenness, but I will take your bondage and brokenness so that you through faith could have everlasting life. Our king, this king, came in courageously. He came in humble, and he came in ready to sacrifice his life for all of mankind so that we who were far from God could be made close. That is our king. That is our God. Come on. Isaiah 53, seven says, he was oppressed. This was speaking prophetically. It was prophetically declaring Jesus that he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Courageously, he laid his life down in sacrifice. But our king would save victoriously. Our king would save victoriously. Like, spoiler alert, still come back next week. The reality is is that Jesus, who was slain on that cross that took our sin and shame, he rose again on the third day. It says in, come on, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, oh death, hey death, where you at? Where's your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death, the sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, death, where's your sting? Jesus victoriously robbed the grave. Jesus victoriously took our sin and shame, and he conquered sin and death. It says in Isaiah, are you guys okay? I'm preaching, so my throat's going away. My, not my throat, my... Well, my voice, whatever you call it, you know, my, my throat's just gone. I lost. It's, it's gone. It says, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Our king is victorious. You see, our king, he may have come on a donkey and he may have looked like, man, look, he's just coming on a cutesy little donkey, but our king will return one day for a spotless, perfect bride, riding as the white rider, coming on a white horse to rescue and to set free and capture his people back. Come on, it may have He may have looked like a weak lamb walking into the slaughter to take away the sins of the earth, but he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Come on, he's not just a lamb slain, but he's a victorious king who has won victory for his people. That's our God. That's our God and this is the reality as we come back to John chapter 12 and we look at Jesus' entry in. Is this the reality is that the crowds are still coming to behold Jesus because of our testimony? It says in John 12, and, and we see that the crowds who had been with Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead, they went and began to tell other crowds, you gotta see Jesus. And when those crowds heard that Jesus would be in Jerusalem, they came to find him and began to cry out, Hosanna. The crowds came because other people said, come and see. And today, people are still coming. They're still coming to see Jesus and encounter his love because of the testimony of you and I. People are still coming to encounter who is this Jesus because when you and I begin to tell the story of how he set us free, we begin to tell the story of how he called us out of our graves and out of our bondage, people are still coming because of our testimony. But not only are people still coming out of our invitation, but people are still crying out, Hosanna. They're still crying out, save us. Save us, and they're looking for love in every avenue, and every means, and they're looking for who is the real God and who is the real king, and there's still a cry in our city and in our world to be saved and rescued. Can you hear it? Yeah, we see our neighbors, and they have barbecues just like us, But something on the inside is saying, Hosanna, save us now. God, save us. Yesterday, 125 of you walked in a parade in our city, Medford. And we walked through the streets and had songs of joyful celebration playing. And you saw every walking kind of person as we walked through thousands of people we were singing songs of hope in the heart of the father and you look and you see people that are crying out for hope they're crying out is there a real god is there is this just a story is this just a cutesy fable or is this god who he says he is hosanna save us now and the Bible tells us, how shall they hear unless we go and tell them? How shall they know unless you and I say, hey, you got to come and see the Lamb of God. You got to come and see the one who took away my sin, my shame. I was broken. I was bound. I was lost. I was addicted. I, whatever it was, come and see. And the crowds are still coming. When each one will reach one, when each one will go and tell what God has done. Are you guys? He is again a little quiet. Like, you're doing all the yelling. You're good. Here's where we land as our piano player comes. It's May You and I Be Like Jesus' Cousin, John the Baptist. Three and a half years before we come to this final week of Jesus' journey, we come to this moment where. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, God reveals who Jesus really was. And John is sitting there in, in John chapter 1 and he, he yells out when he sees Jesus coming. He yells out, Look! Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hey, hey, come here, look. That's that's the guy, the Lamb. Of God who takes away the sins of the world. And 2,000 years later, we can hear those words and we're like, okay, cool, poetic beauty. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. But every Jew knew what that meant. Because every year they would, as a family, they'd find a perfect, spotless, blemishless Lamb. And with their kids, they would trek, if they weren't in Jerusalem, they would trek to bring this sacrifice to atone for their sin. And they would have a meal on Friday where they would remember what Yahweh had done, how he had saved them from their oppression and their slavery. And the kids would ask their parents, Why do we do this? And the parents would begin to tell them the story of how their God, with a mighty hand, rescued them from bondage and slavery. But John says, look, the Lamb of God, the Lamb, the later... Paul would say, this is the sacrifice lamb, this is the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, our lamb. That Jesus now, three and a half years later, when they saw him coming in, he wasn't just walking into a city, he was the lamb of God, the final lamb, walking into a city, getting ready to be crucified, getting ready to be beaten. He would be the final sacrifice, the the final lamb that would truly wash away the sins of the earth, that would cleanse our lives, would cleanse and bring hope and healing and John saying, look, he's the lamb. It's not your works. It's not your abilities. You can't clean yourself up enough. Look at the lamb. He will be the one who is beaten. He will be the one who is forsaken. He will be the one who took our sin. And he will be the one who takes our shame. So that you who know sin would be set free by him who knew no sin. Look at the lamb. And today, whether you're here and you've been following Jesus for years... Or you braved and you came into this place and you said is this God who he really says he is I would I would simply say look at Jesus your search is over your search is over is it really that good Is, is it really that good of news yes it's scandalously good the grace of God does not make sense the love of God does not make sense but it's really that good that when we were dead Jesus made a way for us when we were broken Jesus made a way for us when we were lost Jesus made a way for us behold the lamb of God you don't have to try to make a way anymore on your own Jesus made a way look at the lamb look at Jesus to him be the glory to him be the honor church would you bow your head and close your eyes I recently had an encounter with someone that didn't know Jesus and and they began to tell me like, yeah, I don't really have a religion, I just feel good in my soul and I don't need to know anything and I didn't get to say much but I said to this woman, I said, all I know is that Jesus Christ has absolutely changed my life. And some of you may have come to this place and you say, Natalie, I'm, I'm, I'm so far from God. Like there's nothing, I, I, maybe you've come to church, maybe at one time in your life you, you walked with the Lord, but you say, I'm, I'm so far. Or maybe you've never even put your trust ever in Jesus. But I want to tell you that Jesus Christ, he made a way for you to have relationship That he's not only the lamb who was slain, but he is the victorious king who rose again from the dead, and he is alive. And he wants to give you life. He wants to set you free. And if you came to this place looking for hope, looking for life, you need Jesus to save you. Then all across this room, I just want you to lift your hand. You say, man, I need Jesus to save me. Wherever you're at, from the back to the front, you need Jesus to save you. Just put your hand up right now. Wherever you are, every person, you say, Jesus, would you save me? Jesus, I need you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, you're saying, Jesus, would you rescue me? I see that hand. Come on, you say, Jesus, I I can't take away my own sins. I, I can't pay the price, but I put my faith in you. Would you rescue me? Just raise your hand. We've got hands all over. You say, Jesus, would you save me? I see that hand. Come on, last call. You're here today. You say, Jesus, I receive your life. I receive your sacrifice. If that's your prayer this morning, just wave your hand at me. I'd love to see who today is just saying, Jesus, I put my faith in you. Church, we're gonna all just pray together. This prayer, we're simply making an outward declaration of what God's doing on the inside. And so together, we're just gonna pray. Dear Jesus, I put my trust in you. That only you can save me. I receive your life. I receive your perfect sacrifice. Would you wash away my sins? Would you give me a brand new life? I put my full faith in you. And if you will be my God, I will be your child. Thank you for dying on the cross. And I believe that you rose again on the third day. And through you, I have everlasting life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we just give a a shout of praise to God for all the people that gave their life to Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I want to invite you to do if you would stand to your feet, church. I want to encourage you that your testimony has power. Maybe you say, what do I say to people? What do I say to my neighbors? What do I say to my friends? What do I say to my coworkers? Simply tell them what Jesus has done in your life. You see, the crowds are still shouting, but the king is still saving. The crowds are still shouting, but the king is still saving. The king wants to rescue and, and, and set free our city. Come on, Jesus is moving in our city and he uses you and I. We get the privilege of telling the world around us the greatest news ever of Jesus Christ so I want to invite you, if you say, Man, I just I just want to be even intentional this week and in the weeks to come to just begin to be a voice crying out, Look, there's Jesus. Look, there's Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. If that's your prayer, would you lift your hands? And we're just gonna pray that God would use us to be lights in our city. Jesus, I thank you for your sons and daughters. God, we we simply point others to you, God. You're the one that sets people free. You're the one that gives hope to the weary and the lost. You're the one that gives life to the dead. And so God, would you help us to be like John the Baptist, to be those who say, look at the lamb, look at Jesus. He's the one that takes away the sins of the world. God, would you help us to be those who reach the hurting, who reach the broken, and reach the lost. God, would you show us people even this week that we can just share your love with. I pray that that our city would truly see your love through us, that we would simply point them to you. And Jesus, we say thank you for your sacrifice. Come on, let's just tell the Lord how thankful we are that he saved us, that he rescued us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name.